But hey, we are in uh, we are in week five of our We Are the Heathen series. We talked about uh, we talked about Samson and Rahab and Saul. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about uh, a really interesting figure in, in the Bible named Zacchaeus. Uh, and Zacchaeus is what is called a tax collector. And tax collectors are this odd group of people in the Bible where, where they're often associated with sinners and all this stuff. And anybody, you pay taxes, like, you know, and if they feel like sinners for taking all that money from you, um, that's exactly what these guys are. They, they're the symbol for the Jewish people of people who are just wrong. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're Jews who have been hired by Roman authority figures. The, the whole nation of Israel has now been put under the authority of Rome and they hire these Jews to go and take money from their own people. And not just that, like they, here's the interesting thing. There was like a tax on land and a tax on like goods and imports and all that stuff. There was also just a tax. If you were a male over 12, you had to pay a tax. And if you were a female over 14, you had to pay a tax. I don't know why. I tried to look it up, what the delineation was. Can't find one. They just taxed everybody. And not only that, they would tax and then they would go, hey, I need a little extra. And they'd go, why do you need a little extra? Well, because if you don't give it to me, I'm gonna have the Romans come and arrest you. These are the tax collectors. And Zacchaeus is a tax collector. When we meet him in Luke chapter 19, it goes like this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho. This is a different, it's Jericho, but it's different. Anyways, uh, and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. Come on, my short kings. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be your guest, be a guest in your home today. Uh, I love this story of Zacchaeus. There, there's so many parallels and we're going to preach probably a ton of messages off of this because again, I, re I relate to this guy. I'm sure if I need to see Jesus, I got to climb trees and uh, I don't, I know I don't look like a climber, but if it's Jesus, I'll figure out how to climb. Okay. <laughs> And so uh, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. We're going to talk about this message. If you're taking notes, which I always encourage you guys to do, I want you to title today's message, Give It Away. Give it away. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the word that you've given me and uh, the message that's going to speak to so many of us this morning. Uh, I pray as we dive into your word, we open our hearts, we open our spirits, we open our minds to what you want to say. We give this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, have you have you ever had to share something that you've earned? Okay, like, I mean, as kids, you think you've earned every gift that's been given to you, and then when your parents make you share, it's, like, really annoying. I, I hate sharing, um, I, and uh, as a pastor, I think I should be better at that, but it's mine, okay? And... Uh, <laughs> I'm, so I'm, I'm getting better. Natalie's teaching me over the last 11 years of being together. Natalie's really great at sharing. She's just like, yeah, take it, whatever you want. Like we had a couch that I needed to get rid of. In my mind, I don't know if anyone else is like me. I was like, let's sell it. Why? Because it can help pay for the next couch, right? My wife was like, what do we need the money for? And I'm like, the couch. She's like... <laughs> Let's just give it away. And I was like, and we were in an argument, like back and forth, like, no, 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 no. And then suddenly someone showed up at my door and I said, what do you need? 
And they're like, I'm here for the couch. And I was like, money? And they're like, no, your wife said I could have it for free. Okay. And, I, and then I walked away and they're like, are you going to help me move it? Oh, I got to help you move the couch now? So anyways, I'm not good at sharing. Uh, and a, a, a couple years ago, I, I found a video. Uh, you guys may have seen this before. Um, it's from the Gim- Jimmy Kimmel show, uh, he's like talk show host. And he did this Halloween prank where he asked parents to film their kids and to tell them, we ate all your Halloween candy. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult, we don't like sharing things. We don't like people taking things that are ours, that, that we feel like we've earned or anything like that. And it, it causes a, like more than just like a discomfort. It causes like something in us to like, like rile up and like, and, and, and like, I don't know, like push back against the authority and put it, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to stand up for what's ours. And, and this was kind of the, the issue with the, the Jewish people at this time is they have people taking money from them. And it's not just regular taxes. They're taking above and beyond. And now they're just left with nothing. And so they look at these tax collectors and the Jewish Pharisees at this time, it's such a problem that they make a rule that if you're a tax collector, you can't even come into the synagogue anymore. So if you're this level of a sinner, you don't even get to go to church. So Zacchaeus has this opportunity to see a new version of church, and it's Jesus. And when we look at him, he's willing to climb up a tree, get any look that he can at this new possible way. Jesus, it's really interesting. You find him a lot of times in the New Testament Gospels hanging around tax collectors a lot. And not only that, he fully embraces tax collectors as a part of his people. More than just like he's around them, he's actually fully going, you're my people. So they look at Jesus, all these Jewish people and these Pharisees, and they're like, you might be the Messiah, but you're hanging around the wrong people. If you hung around us, the good people, it wouldn't be a problem, right? If, if we all just hung around the good people, we wouldn't have to worry about the bad people. And Jesus goes, no, 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 that's exactly who I want to hang out with. There's a book of the Bible called Matthew, okay? And Matthew's a disciple. He's one of Jesus' closest followers, and Matthew is a tax collector. When you meet him, he is actively taking money, and then that's how Jesus calls him. And so some of us, we talked about this already in a couple messages. We're waiting to be good before Jesus can accept us. We're waiting to figure our lives out before we can actually start going to church. We're waiting for us to get the right systems in place before we can start making this a consistent walk with God. And God's going, no, I'll just, I'll just take you right now, wherever you're at. Now, listen, Jesus didn't go, hey, Matthew, can you be my tax collector now? He goes, just come follow me. Leave the thing behind and come follow me. Matthew, he writes one of the gospels and he has this interesting story that's not in the other gospels. It goes like this in Matthew 21. It says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will, but he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They, the Pharisees, replied, the first one. Then Jesus explained his meaning. 
I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent for your sins. Here's what I'm saying is Jesus isn't condoning the actions of any individual, the person who was wrong and then chose right, and the person who said they were going to do right and did wrong. He's saying the heart condition of the person that is willing to still obey, to look at their lives and go, I don't care what I did wrong or what I did right. What did God tell me to do? Well, what is he pointing me to? And so later on, Jesus, right before we meet Zacchaeus, Jesus, it's almost as if Jesus knows what's going to happen. Uh, that's, that's sarcasm. He's Jesus. He knows what's going to happen. And right before, in Luke chapter 18, before we meet Zacchaeus, he actually tells a really interesting parable that parallels to what we just read. It's Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. One was a pastor. One was a priest. One was a consistent churchgoer, and the other was a despised sinner tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We're keying into a really important word in the Bible, and it's this word, repentance. This is a really heavy word if you've grown up in church, right? Because what repentance has usually meant is you're a horrible person and turn or burn, right? Have you seen that sign before? Get right, get left. Like, like it's the, hey, you're going to hell. So repent. And this is the intention, but the wrong message. This is true, but it's presented, it's packaged in this way. It's like, it's like boiled broccoli. It's not good. And I don't care who you are. It's not good. But you throw some cheddar cheese on it. Come on, my, come on, some nacho cheese. You with me, people? Like suddenly boiled broccoli is fine. Like I'm, I'll give me some of that cheddar cheese. Like this is kind of, I mean, take, walk with me for a second, Amber. What we've been given in the church world is broccoli. Broccoli's not bad for you. Repentance, the idea is not bad for you. It's been packaged really horribly. And hey, just chew it and be better. And I'm saying like, hey, there's cheese. There's ranch dressing. Like there's something, you, there's something to dip this in. There's, there's a better way to take this message in. And that's what I want to bring to you guys is that repentance has so much more to do with, let's just admit everything I did wrong. It's, it's more than a confession. It's more than sitting in a box with a little gate on it and then letting, and then confessing everything and then saying a couple Hail Marys and then, and then moving on with your day. 
This is not repentance. Here's repentance. You have to admit a couple things. The first one is I was wrong. I was wrong. Have you ever been caught wrong? Like you're 120% sure that you're right. Like you, 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 like you build a fortress on a hill and said, I'm going to defend this hill. And you find out that you were wrong. Like, and what, okay, my experience, I'll just tell you my experience so you guys can laugh at me. Maybe you guys are better than me. When I find out that I'm wrong, I still try to figure out how I can be right. Well, I didn't have all the information. If you would have told me, then I would have, right? Come on, nobody? No, okay. I still try to figure out, like, well, I mean, it's, it's different. I mean, in that scenario, yeah, yes, you're right. But if you were in my shoes, you wouldn't have. Like, and I'm telling you, I was wrong. There's an ownership that we need to have in something. There are a lot of people trying to pass blame, and it prolongs forgiveness. Whenever you try to pass it off, it makes life more difficult for you and the other person. I don't care if it's your spouse, a coworker, a friend, a family member, or if it's God himself. Well, can I be a little bit right? Nope. You were wrong. I know. Follow me. Second thing we have to admit, God is right. You know what the three hardest words to say in the English language are? You were right. It used to be, I love you. Everybody says, I love you. People say, I love you to tacos. Um, <laughs> I love you. I love you, carne asada. <laughs> God is right. It's hard to say you were right. Here's, here's what's hard about saying you were right. Because not only were you wrong, you have to admit that, there's another humbling thing, which is there was a right answer and you still didn't choose it. Ugh. I know, family Sunday. It's going to pick up, I promise. This is, this is the difficulty of, of the church relationship, by the way. Why I've seen, there's a, by the way, I talked to, a lot of people, all the time. I, I, we, Pastor Natalie and I, we, we've created a new term in churches. I've just never heard this before. Um, but uh, we have a group of people that we call friend zone Christians, um, which means like, like they'd rather be friends with us than go to church with us. And, and those people, whenever we like reach out, they're like, church is a great thing. Like, hey, can we get drinks together? And I'm like, yeah, we can get drinks together. I'd love for you to be like more than drinking buddies. Like, I'd love to be more than hot dog buddies. And it has nothing to do with, I want my church to have more people. It has everything to do with, I believe this thing is good. We can be both. We can do more than that. But if it's whenever life hits the fan and that's when you come back, then we're just friend zone Christians. Hey, can we move past that a little bit? Like, that is here. People feeling something right now. This has nothing to do with weekly attendance. This has everything to do with where you're at. What am I trying to get out of this relationship with God? Not church, not Eric and Natalie, not James and Mari, not George and Christina, not any group, not any alpha course or, or anything like that. It's, man, is this an opportunity for me to come to God and go, you were right. I, I was wrong. 
here's one of the things that you're going to come to is that God doesn't go, I told you so. That's what I do. When Natalie goes, you were right, I go, I told you so. When I'm in a better place, I go, um, you know, hey, babe, we all, you know. It, you, you know those times when you're right, but you, you have to be humble and you can't admit you're right, so you never finish a sentence. You know, it's, it's hard to, and it's, you know, it's, let's just, you know. <laughs> and you can't say I'm right. Here's the last thing we need to admit in this process. We're going to wrap it up here. Here's the last thing. I'll get it wrong again. There's a beautiful word that's really in close relationship with repentance, and it's this, grace. See, forgiveness is you did something wrong, you're forgiven. Hey, no penalty. Mercy is you did it wrong again, and I'm still not going to punish you. God provides both of these at all times. Grace Grace is something way more brilliant, and it's something that very few people know how to give, which is, you're going to keep getting it wrong, and I'm still going to forgive you. I have more forgiveness than you have mistakes. And this is God. I I can't do it. it. When we're asked, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive people when they've wronged me? And he goes, 70 times, seven times. Is that 490 times? No, no, he's, just, he's giving an example of just keep forgiving. Just keep doing it. And the disciples are stunned at this moment because how? How could I keep forgiving somebody that's wronged me? How does God do it? Well, it comes to a place of I was wrong. You were right. And God, I know I'm going to get it wrong again, but I know I can come back to you. This is the story of Zacchaeus. But right after Jesus tells the parable of the two sons, he te- a rich man, a Pharisee, comes up to him and, and does this. In Luke chapter 18, it goes like this. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I've done everything right. When Jesus heard this answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad for he was very rich. Here's what the rich religious leader was caught on, things that he couldn't admit to himself. It was this, he knows that God has more than enough to give. He's got more forgiveness than we have mistakes. Yet, for us, we have very little God can take. If he asked for it, would you give it? If he asked for your Sunday morning, would you give it? If he asked for five minutes of prayer on your way to work, would you give it? If he asked, not a pastor asked, but if he asked, well, how do I know if he's asking me? Really great question. We got to be in conversation with him. We got to be in relationship with him. Well, can he just tell me? He does. He does want to tell you. You got to talk. You got to go to him. You got to get to a place with him 
where you don't think he's trying to get something from you. And then when he asks something from you, you don't try to hold it. This is the story of Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19. We're going to end with this. Worship team, go ahead and come up. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. This is right after Jesus calls him out and took, G- and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. He can't, he can't even hear people judging him. Jesus is in front of him. Stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, for I've cheated people on their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home for this man, has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. There we go. Now it's more spiritual. Let me end with this. I'm going to read this because I, I, I wrote some careful words here. Zacchaeus repents. His first action towards Jesus was just to look at him. Can I just see? Is he really here? Is he really the guy? But Jesus sees him. Where the previous rich man couldn't let go and give it away, Zacchaeus gives four times the amount away. He does it without Jesus asking for it. You see, the rich man had very little that God could take, and even though he had a lot, and he took from others. Zacchaeus took a lot from others, and one interaction with Jesus gives it all away. Here's my message to everyone here today. God's not looking to take all your stuff. In Luke 12, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. If Jesus is after your heart and your treasure is in him, he doesn't need anything else. Most of our treasures exist in other places. Little pockets here. My mom grew up in a poor home. She still hides money in drawers and under beds because she's not sure if someone might come and take it. How many of us are still doing this? I don't know love's going to be stolen from me. So I'll put some love here. I'll put some love here. I'll put some trust here. I'll put some joy here. I'll put some faith here. And then if I ever need it, I'll come back to those things and just take from that never have a full experience anywhere I am. This is not the life that God wants for you. What I have found in our walks with God is that salvation is God's free gift to you and repentance is our gift back to Him. What are we holding on to today that is getting in the way of what God has for us? Would you guys stand with me? We're going to end.